welcome to Let's Go Live with Jack Kelly. We have another amazing show. Amazing, I tell you. One of the best ever. You got you to gotta stay here and watch it to completion. So for today, what we want to talk about, and I want to be really careful, it's, it's about are you sabotaging your own interview? Are you, are you kind of shooting yourself in the foot? Now, when I'm saying this, I want to be respectful. I don't want to make it sound like I'm victim blaming or anything of that. Please don't, don't look at this way. What I want to do for this LinkedIn Live slash podcast is to help everybody who's interviewing, who's thinking of interviewing, what to do and what not to do, and particularly what things to avoid. What are, what are the things that if you do, it's just going to go, poof, just, just blow up the whole interview process. So without further ado, let me just jump right into what, what to do, what not to do when you're, into, when you're interviewing, how not to sabotage your interview process, and how to thrive, survive, succeed, win the interview, do well, get the money you want, get that job you want, and just succeed and move forward. Because that's all That's all this is about on these LinkedIn Lives that I'm doing. It's all about empowering people. You're giving them, arming them with all the information, all the knowledge they need, all the support they need, so that you could do well. You could advance with your career. You can move forward, particularly in tough times like this, where it's really rough. So we're here to help you and keep you informed. And let's do this. So let's get started. To avoid sabotage. Well, let me give you something that I've done as a recruiter. I've run a search firm for now 20, I think it's going on 26 years. And when we have a search and we work really hard on it, and we're trying to find the right person for the right job. And we're doing all that work, doing all the recruiting, speaking to candidates, interviewing candidates. And then time goes on and find out we didn't place that person. Another recruiting agency or somebody else placed the person. And myself and my team, we'd regroup and say, how did this happen? What like we really thought we had a competitive advantage. We know the space, we know the people in the space, we know the hiring manager, we know the company. So it was all in our favor that we should place the person, and we didn't. So we have what we call a post-mortem to figure, okay, we lost, but we're not going to be, oh, boo-hoo, we, we missed out on it, even though we probably missed out on like 30, 40 grand in the fee. That kind of sucks, but you got to be a big boy, big girl, and move forward. So what we would do is do this kind of reconstruction, this postmortem to see what we did, what we did right, and what we did wrong. And why, why did we miss it? How did we not get that candidate and let our rival get that candidate? Because recruiting is a really super competitive area, particularly contingency recruiting. It means that you only get paid if you place that person. So we're really, you want to make sure you get that you know, person. So what we'll do is just kind of analyze it and be very stark and very honest and very raw in terms of figuring out what we did wrong. Not so much what we did right, but what did we miss? What did we do wrong? And it's not to point fingers at anybody. It's not to point fingers as, Jack, you screwed up. You should have done this. Or Christine, you should have done that. Or Michael, you should have done this. Nah, it's more of let's figure out why this happened. And what now, what lessons did we learn so when we move forward, it won't happen again? Or it won't happen as often again? Because you're never going to win everything. You're not going to win every interview. You're not going to win every job offer. You're not going to win every, as a recruiter, placing a person. But you want to place the person more than not. You want to get the job more than not. And that's the goal. So I would say it's the same or similar to when you're interviewing. If it's not working out well, if you're going on interviews and not getting called back for a second, you're getting ghosted, or maybe even not even being called for an interview, 
I would suggest this is the time where you have to do some self-analysis and think, why is this happening? Why am I not getting an interview? Why am I not progressing to the next level? Why am I not getting to the third or fourth or fifth round of interviews? Why am I not getting the job offer? What is happening? Now, it's very easy to say, and it is true, for white-collar professionals right now, it's a brutal market. Companies are not inclined to hire. They're in cost-cutting mode. They're worried about what's going on in the Middle East. Is it going to just go and bring everybody else, including the U.S., into the fray? Still, we have what's happening in Ukraine. We worried about a recession. There's high inflation. You go anywhere, you know, in, in Manhattan or San Francisco, there's crime. There's It's just a mess. So companies are not hiring aggressively. When things are bad, they hunker down. And add to the mix, we're heading hard into the holidays. So usually the holidays, everyone kind of just coasts and say, we'll wait till January. So yes, this is the backdrop. But even with that, and the reason I'm putting there, so there are valid reasons why you might not get that interview and move forward. Those are the macro, those global macro reasons. What now I want to hone in on is what you can do. Because there's certain things you can control and certain things you can't control. You can't control the war with Israel and Hamas. We can't control that. We can't control what's going on in the Ukraine. We can't control recession. But you can control how you interview, how you do well, how do you articulate, how do you tell your story, how do you do your elevator pitch, how, what, what do you do with your LinkedIn profile, how, what do you do with your resume? These are things that are in your control. So let, let's start like let's start from the scratch. One of the first things you want to do when you're interviewing, spend some time researching, doing your homework on the company and the interviewers. Now, with the company, you want to find out as much as you can. What's how do they fit within their tier system? Are they respected, not respected? How are they doing financially? If they're publicly traded, how is their stock price? What are, what are products? <coughs> Excuse me. What products do they sell? What services do they offer? Are they better than others or not? The reason you want to do that is because invariably you're going to get a question. Uh, so Jack, can you tell me why you're interested in this company? And uh, also, what do you know about the company? That's, that's the voices in my head when I hear like HR asking these kind of questions. No offense, HR. Uh, so you want to know that because if they ask you the question, like, what do you know about the company? What do you know about our services? You know, why this company? And if you don't have a good answer, that's like strike one, or that could even just knock you out. The reason it can knock you out is then the interviewers can say, you know what? You didn't even bother to do a modicum of homework to find out about the company and what it's all about. So you're just coming up, showing up. Here I am. I'm so awesome that I didn't have to do any homework. You're going to just give me the job offer because I'm so great. It doesn't work that way. You really want to know what's there. So then you can nail it. You could say, look at the difference. You could say, well, I'm really interested in ABC Widget Company because I really love the products you offer. Particularly, I use this product, this product XYZ, and it's fantastic and wonderful. And, and I really like it. I, I found out that I have several friends who work there. And I, I spoke with them individually. And they also shared about the corporate culture, their values their goals, their mission statement, and they all align with what I'm interested in. I've also seen that this company tends to fast track people, give promotions and give raises. They also hire from within. So when a job opening, they don't necessarily get someone from the outside, they'll promote someone internally. So for those and other reasons, I really was attracted to this company. Also, I feel that my background experiences, talents, educational background, dovetail with the job description at hand. 
So do you see, if you have that, if you, if you, if you come from that angle, where you're saying, I know a lot about the company, I've done my research, I've done my homework, immediately the interviewer, the hiring manager is going to be oppressed because they're going to think Jack didn't just, you know, this is not just one interview out of many. And if I get it, I get, you know, you get the job. If not, not. It shows that you really care. You really care because you took the time, energy, effort to find everything about the, uh, the company. Additionally, this might sound a little stalkish, stalkerish, and it kind of is. You want to check out as best you can who are the hiring managers involved with the process. You want to find out where they went to college, maybe grad school, law school, where they live, where they worked before. And the reason is not to be nosy, <laughs> but you want to find out as much about the people with whom you're going to speak so that you'll have a little bit of an edge when you interview. And as we're going through this, be honest with yourself and think about how what you do and how you act and what you say, because these things might help. You might say, oh, I'm already doing this. And that's great. Or you might say, oh, I don't do this. Thanks for the help, Jack. So if what you can do, now you know, let's say one of the interviewers lives in the same town as you. Maybe one of the interviews went to your same college. Maybe you know somebody who knows somebody who is very good friends with this person who's one of the interviewers. Maybe you found out that they're you know, a big Jets fan or a big Giants fan. By doing that, number one, if you've done your homework on the individuals, you're going to feel like you know them already. Because I do this when, for instance, when I'm looking to recruit, I kind of go through this whole thing. I want to learn as much as possible. When I'm writing articles for Forbes, I dig deep to find out, and let's say I'm profiling an individual like a CEO, I really do my homework so I know everything about that person. So the time I have the conversation it seems like I know him or her. And, and you could have that bond immediately happen. So by understanding who these people are, you can then get a better sense and feel confident like you know the person. And that's a key thing. Because when you go into an interview, one of the secrets that people don't talk about is that hiring managers want people who are likable, who are charismatic, charming, polite, motivated, interested, intellectually curious. So by kind of doing this homework, the interviewer is going to vibe with you because now you're forging relationships. One of the challenges people have in interviewing, they don't feel comfortable with small talk. When I say small talk, it's like the Instead of having, hey, good morning, good morning. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Fine. That's, you're not building any bonds. You know, you, instead, imagine this. Hey, I, you know, I, I believe, I think, I've noticed that you're a Jets fan. And I know I'm a Giants fan, but I got to give you kudos. That's great. You guys pulled it out. That was some game, right? And then the other person is like, what? Like, how did you know? All right. And you just get absorbed into that conversation. So now you've transcended. You transcended this very cold clinical, ask a question, answer the question, ask the question, answer the question. Now you're kind of bonding. You got some commonality. Similarly, if you say, hey, I understand that, uh, you know, you went to such and such university. That's where my brother went. Did you, what did you major in? Oh, that's what he majored in. And then you build that, that comfort level. And it's a world of a difference. It's very different when you do your homework, you do your research, you know about them, you feel confident and comfortable because you know about them. They feel flattered that you know about them. Then it opens up the door so you could have an organic conversation, not the phony, fake, 
kind of conversations you have in job interviews, but it becomes more real. And they like you more because you're coming across authentic and genuine, and they're seeing the real you right from the beginning. Does it, does that, I hope that makes sense so far. So, so stick with me. So that's one of the first steps. You also want to make sure, this is kind of leading up to the interview, that your resume is up to date. It has all the relevant information. You've re read and reread the job description. And you want to make sure that your LinkedIn profile, because they're going to check your LinkedIn profile as well as your social media footprint, if you're not aware, they're going to snoop and check it out. Particularly now where there's such toxicity out there and such, you know, hate going on between, for instance, right now with the Palestinians, Israel, everyone's looking to see whose side are you on on this? We always do this lately as a country, whatever it comes up, one side, another side, you're always fighting. So you got to be careful and you want to kind of make sure that that doesn't blow up in you also. But anyway, but by, by getting a sense of the resume and the LinkedIn matching very well with the job description, when you have the conversations, the interviewer We'll see like, oh, okay, they have a lot of these points. And then you could share what the job description, you know, the bullet points, and then answer exactly, hey, here's what I've done to address it. Now, it sounds simple, but a lot of times people are a big issue that befalls folks is that it's hard for them to put the dots together. So that instead of being able to say, hey, Mr. Mrs. Interviewer, I know you're looking for somebody who is good at X and is good at Y and could do Z and so forth, and be able to clearly articulate what your skills are, what your responsibilities are, what you've done in the past, in the recent past, and what you're looking to do next and why this company and why you feel you're a good fit. The failing why some people sabotage themselves is they don't prepare and they're not able to clearly articulate who they are, why they're here now, why are they the best person for the job? They'll kind of, meander all over the place you know they'll talk about they'll talk about this thing and that thing and something over there and so this other thing and the interview is just like their heads are exploding like that where like can't you clearly concisely articulate why we should hire you one of the ways you could do it is by having an elevator pitch. Elevator pitch kind of sounds old-fashioned, but it boils down to if you're in an elevator with, let's say, a key executive and you're trying to sell and you always wanted to sell a product or something to them, that you're able to quickly, concisely sell to that person within the time frame they're going from like the ground floor to the fifth floor. Maybe it's 30 seconds, 40 seconds, a minute, and boom you're able to do that. Similarly, when you're interviewing, you need to practice, put together an elevator pitch of your skills, your abilities, your talents, any accreditations, any credentials, licenses, um, online courses, certificates from universities, and walk through why you are the best person for that job. You can't just say I'm the best person for the job. You need to cite examples, give examples of wins, of accomplishments, of achievements, of what people have said about you. Maybe you can even bring along with you recommendations and you could share with them later on say, hey, I have these recommendations I could share with you. So this way, it's not just puffery, like, oh, I'm great. I'm wonderful. You're really giving succinct 
examples of why you should get this job. No going off the beaten path. No, just, just wandering around. No talking about this and that, the other thing, hyper-focus on why you are that best person. It's similarly like when they say, tell me, but you know, that question, that dreaded question, that question. So can you tell me about yourself? And, um, person goes, well, back in high school, I had, and then the, right away, the interview is like, that's not what I meant. I meant, just tell me about yourself in the present tense. What you do, your responsibilities, what you've done in the last job or two, and why you're looking to what you're looking to do next, and the reasons why you're the best fit. Very on target, very, very tunnel vision. It's with politicians when they give their stump speeches. You ever notice they don't they don't go off message, as they call it. You want to stay on message. You want to kind of drive those points home. Not only with the first round of interviews, but if you're going on to the second or third, oftentimes people think, Hey, Jack, I don't want to repeat the same thing again. They're just going to think I'm repeating the same thing. That's good. You do repetition is good. It's like, that's why companies buy commercial time on TV. They want to hammer the point home why their product is awesome, why their product is better than other products. When you go in interview, if you say the same things, you have your eleva ele elevator pitch that's tight that's effective, that's sharp, that communicates well, you want to share that with all the other people you're, work, you're interviewing with. Now, there's a caveat. You need just to change it up a little bit. So when you're speaking to an HR person, they're going to probably be more concerned. Are you, uh, a, will you be a good employee? Or are you going to be a pain in the butt? Are you going to be a liability? So you have to show you're, you're going to be a good corporate citizen. When you speak to the hiring manager, you can have the same elevator pitch about what's, why you're so awesome. But then you have to defer to your boss and be like, hey, how can I help you? I understand you, you know this job is open. Clearly, you have needs. What can I do to help you do your best? And what can I do to get this job and be of help to you? When you meet others who are kind of tangential, because the process now is when hiring is consensus decisions. Everybody is scared to make a decision. And this happens in a tough market, uncertain economy. People get nervous. Hiring managers get nervous. Executives get nervous. CEOs, C-suites get nervous. So when you, you speak to the, so they keep throwing other people into the mix. You, you've probably seen this firsthand. Instead of having just one or two interviews or three interviews, you're forced to do five, six, seven interviews over the course of months and months and months. So say you want to have the same pitch, but for each one, tweak it a little bit that speaks to the person at hand. So let's say, let's just take one final example. Because they do this, they'll throw somebody out, like they're gonna throw out, you know, Phil from accounting. And as and Phil with accounting really has nothing to do at all with this job. So you're not gonna just blow off Phil because all you need is one person when you have decision by consensus. Phil from accounting is like, no, I don't really like Jack. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Didn't really like them. Nope, nope, nope. You need to get Phil aboard. So you want to ask Phil questions. You want to get to know Phil. Same way we said at the beginning of this conversation. You want to you know, understand, and hopefully you did a little homework on him, or if you dealt with a recruiter, the recruiter filled you in. And this is what a good part of having a recruiter. So they could say, hey, this Phil, Jack, this Phil is a jerk. He sucks. But... Here's what you got to do and say to have them like you. So what happens is then you try to get Phil to like you and you, 
and, and get him on your side. So then when everybody comes together to decide, do we hire Jack? They're going to compare notes and the notes are going to be all similar, but a little tailored to each person, the HR person, the hiring manager and so forth. And you have a better chance of making it happen. Now, what happens with a lot of people when they go on interviews, they're not tight about it. So they meander, they wander around trying to kind of come up with something to answer questions, to tell about themselves. The more you practice, the more you role play, the better you get. I would even say you want to spend time you want to spend time going through some commonly asked questions. So then the first time you're asked this, tell me about yourself. Why do you want us? You know, what do you know about the company? Where do you see yourself in five years? Why are you looking to leave? You'll have answers at your ready. Now you may say, oh, there's so much to do. Well, yeah, if you want to su succeed, Anything in life to succeed, you got to put in the time and the effort. Very few people could just show up and say, here I am. And you got the job. Yeah. Maybe if you're a Nepo baby, maybe if your, your dad runs the company or your uncle or cousin runs the company. Yeah, you could do that. You just show up. But most people are not that fortunate. You have to work at it. So you want to practice those questions that the commonly asked questions so that when they're asked, you don't have to start scrambling. You kind of, you're prepared and you know, and you have good answers. When you're interviewing, here's some things, tips you have to do. And a lot of this is basic. I'll give you an example. And even though it's basic, people violate this all the time. Now, when I first started recruiting like a hundred years ago, you know, you'd be in person. You know, humans sitting across the table with each other. Now, most of it is going to be, you know, Zoom calls. The very least, the very least, you want to make sure your lighting is good. Your background looks nice. Yeah, for instance, I have this background. I didn't realize that wallpaper was like cool and stuff and nice. And what you do sometimes is iterate to see what works. And I've had different backgrounds and using this background, which is not like a fake, I mean, it's my wallpaper and people love it. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go with it. It works. You want to find what works. You want to have the right lighting. The sound quality is good. The backdrop looks good. There's no interruptions. You don't have behind you an unmade bed or something weird happening in the background. You want to be tight with everything. If you go on an interview and, and you, first of all, don't come late, come early. I don't care if you're early and just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, get there early because you want to make sure all your technology works because the way life works, if you don't come early, your technology is not going to work. And then it's really uncomfortable and you're starting in a bad way and it just gets, you know, goes downhill fast. Make sure everything works. Try it out beforehand. If you are going to an office, the night or a couple of nights before, make sure you know exactly where the office is, what trains to take, what buses to take, how to commute there, how to get there, where's there's parking. You want to have everything solid. So when you go in there, the last worry you have is about if it's in person, getting to that location, getting there early, getting set up. Be nice to the security guard. Be nice to the receptionist. Be nice to the janitor. Be nice to everyone you meet with. Because what happens, and this doesn't go on too often in, in person, but it does. When you're there, believe it or not, the security guard, the, the receptionist, um, other people who are just involved with the interview process to a lesser level, they're going to judge and they're going to pass on their judgment because if you act rude to any of them, they're going to go and tell the boss who's in charge of the interview to say, you know, Jack was pretty much of a jerk. He was rude to everybody. When he came in, he didn't want to show his ID because he thought who he is. 
you know, and he snapped at the receptionist and so forth. You want to be polite and nice and respectable for respectable for everyone. Because first of all, it's the right thing to do. Second, it makes you look good. And third, it avoids you for shooting yourself in the foot by creating enemies day one. Now, this seems <clears throat> this seems like common knowledge, but you'd be surprised how often I get feedback from clients saying the person came late, they didn't apologize, the person's lighting didn't work, the, the, the audio was terrible, I couldn't really hear them, they were static, there was a fuzz. Um, yeah, they just seemed odd and awkward. These are things that you could easily avoid. Another thing is this. Over the years, I found out it's not necessarily the candidate who has, who went to the best schools, has the best resumes, is the smartest person. They don't always get the job because what happens, some people come across as these arrogant jerks. We've all seen them. They're full of themselves. They're pretentious. They're condescending. They're rude. They talk down to people. Now, you could be a rock star. You could be an amazing rock star. But if you're going up against somebody who is polite, who's nice, who's likable, gregarious, upbeat, positive, enthusiastic, that person has a better chance of getting the job because the hiring manager is no dummy. The hiring manager doesn't want to be saddled with an, I don't want to say the beep. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know what I could say on LinkedIn without getting uh, canceled. So, you know, I'll put in whatever curse word. <laughs> you don't, you don't want to come across as this arrogant jerk. Even if you, even if you feel you should be an arrogant jerk because you possess all the skills and background. So you, you, you want to come in there. Yeah, I am the best, but in such a kind of nasty, look at me, how cool I am way. If you're a hire manager, do you want that person working for you? They'll drive you crazy. They could be brilliant and you know smart, but then they could drive you nuts. So you want to come across positive, happy, motivated, interested in the job. You want to actively listen. Most people don't listen. And when I say actively listen, this means when someone is talking, block everything out. When you're speaking to that interviewer, that hiring manager, even the tangential people, locked in, eye contact through the Zoom call, nodding your head, showing that you know what's going on, asking questions, showing that you're interested. That makes you stand out. Conversely, if you don't, let's say you don't ask any questions. Let's say you come across, and this is, a, this is something people do all the time. You could be a very friendly, gregarious person, but then you go into the interview and they'll say, so Jack, tell me about yourself. Uh, I'm a recruiter. <laughs> and then you chirp, chirp, chirp. Uh, well, Jack, can you tell me more about what you recruit for? Yes. Okay, what do you recruit for? Compliance. Well, what kind of compliance? Uh, compliance jobs. What does that mean, compliance jobs? But you, you see where I'm getting with this? You give for you could get somebody who's smart and capable and usually very talkative and communicative, but for some reason, a part of their brain shuts off and they feel they have to be this corporate drone. Yes. No, yes, no, one word answers. That's not how it works. 
that's a great way to just, just sabotage your interview process. Because if you're just giving like yes and no answers and not communicative, it, you might think I'm, you're being polite by not you know, droning on, but it's just the opposite. You want to be able to have a conversation with them, actively listen when the interviewer, whomever else is involved. And by actively listening, I mean, you're not waiting and not paying attention because you just want to say something. You actually want to hear what they're saying. You want to listen and get what they're saying. And a good hack, if, if they say, hey, we're really looking for somebody who possesses skill one, two, and three, and that'd be really helpful. So like, you know, I had, so what I understand, Ms. Interviewer, you're really looking for somebody, and you don't repeat exactly the same words, because that's weird. Then you come back and say, hey, so I understand you're really looking for someone who has some familiarity with one, because one does blah, blah. And then you need also someone who has experience with two. And this is like what I have. So I really have done two a lot. And then when you were saying about the third thing, oh my gosh, I do that all the time. That's great. So now you're ingratiating yourself with the interviewer because you're, 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 you're conversing, you're sharing, you're, you're, you acknowledge you've listened to them you understand what their needs are. You're reframing the needs by not repeating the exact words that the interviewer asked, but you're kind of putting a slight changes, putting your own spin on it, and then giving your firsthand experiences and why you fit that bill. That's a very big difference than when before, when I, when they, I, like I was being interviewed and they said, what do you do? I do recruiting. I do... Yes, I place this kind of person. No, they don't want that monotone. that, And they don't want that boring, bland, monotone, robotic thing. And that's a big thing people do. Don't. You want to show, you want to show who you are as a person. The more they know you as a person, the more they feel comfortable with you as a person, the more genuine and authentic you are, the better chance you have of getting that interview and moving on to the next round and the next round and the next round. Because they understand you, they get you, you're a human being. And the more they feel that, the less inclined they would be to say, yeah, we don't want this person. Because then they'll feel guilty because now they get this bond and they like you and they want you. As compared to someone else who is not actively listening, who talks over the interviewer, who doesn't show that they're listening by nodding their head, by reframing it, by asking questions. They're not bonding with that person. And they don't even feel comfortable with that person because they feel that person's not listening to me. They're talking over me. They don't, I don't know if they really get it. They're not asking any questions. So yeah, you know what? I'm not going to go with that person. I'm going to keep going with Jack and let's move along that process and keep going because you could tell he's interested. He's motivated. He's asking questions. And about questions, I know that's a big thing. People are always freaked out. It's drilled into everyone's head. Oh, you have to have questions at the end of the interview. You have to have questions. You got to make sure you have the questions at the end of the interview. Yes and no. The real thing is, when they say to ask questions, let's ask questions when it's organic, when you really need to ask a question. When you're talking about a topic. So for instance, you want to ask, hey, is this a hybrid role? Is this, is this a remote role? Is this in person? Now, those questions, I got to now chastise myself because they may not be the right questions if it's clearly shown on the job description or you could easily find it on the website. When you ask questions, you want questions that aren't easily found, things that you, you, you want to kind of get a better sense at to show that you're really committed to this role, you're committed to this opportunity, and you want to know everything about it. Or if you just aren't sure of something, the, one of the hiring managers asks a question and you're really not sure about it, instead of pretending you understand it or going through the motions or figuring you're going to just fast talk your way through it, no, just say, you know, you know Mr. or Mrs. Interviewer, 
I'm not sure if I completely understand that question. Can, can you just, just walk me through it again or maybe share it in a different way so I, I could so I could give a more appropriate answer? That's what I mean by asking questions. Not asking questions for the sake of asking questions. So you could say, hey, I asked my question, I'm good. You wanna, you wanna make sure it's organic, it's real. It's woven into the fabric of the conversation. It's not heavy-handed. It's and, and, and interviewers aren't dumb. They know when you're just asking a question for the sake of question, as opposed to when it's real. Another thing, this happens a lot. I need a drink of water before this. If a person is in between jobs, or even if they're you know, moving or looking for another role somewhere else. Invariably, they'll ask like, why are you looking? What are the reasons? Especially if maybe you were laid off and your emotions are raw and you feel that you were laid off and it wasn't fair, that there were so many other people who kept their jobs that are really dumb and they shouldn't be there but you got laid off, so you're resentful. And then without thinking, you start bad-mouthing your boss or your ex-boss, either your current boss or your ex-boss, your former colleagues, or if you're still there, your current coworkers. You don't. That is like one of the worst things to do. Now, it may be true. It may be true that your, your current boss or your former boss, if you're in between jobs, was a narcissist, a crazy micromanager, a bully, abusive. They could all be true. Your coworkers could be these vapid gossip mongers, rumor mongering, nosy bodies, busy bodies hardly doing their work, always just like bugging people. That could all be true. However, you do not, you do not, you do not want to badmouth anybody that you've ever worked with. Even if they were terrible, you don't. Now, the reason is this. First of all, it's not cool. It's not polite. It's, it's not, if you're at, if you hold yourself to a certain standard, you don't want to resort to that, to name calling and, and, and pointing fingers. Also, put yourselves in the shoes of a hiring manager. If you're going to complain and bitch and moan about your former coworkers and boss, they're going to feel you're going to say the same thing about your manager when you go somewhere else. Or you're going to say the same thing about your manager to your new peers and other coworkers, because you're going to think if they said it once and badmouth those people, why are you not going to badmouth me, the hire manager, and, and spread and say the same things to other people? You know, manager doesn't want that. You don't want to hire someone who you have to worry that they're going to be talking badly about you behind your back. So... Do not resist the urge. And trust me, I understand it. If you were laid off and you feel it wasn't fair, or you're leaving because it's such a horrible place, you almost want to vent and get it off your chest. But in the interview, it is not the right format to do it. So stay far, far away from that. Let's see. I got to take my notes here. See, see what else? Because we got, we got a lot, right? I think so far so good. What do you, what do you think? This is, this is helping out. Definitely. You're hitting all your marks. <laughs> right. So how about this? Now let's, 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 let's add some things where on a like more positive, positive note. And I hope, I hope everyone appreciates that when I'm sharing this, I'm not saying you guys are doing it. I'm not faulting you. I'm not victim blaming. What I'm trying to show is what works and what doesn't work. What I've seen 
how people succeed in the interview process and get the jobs they want and get more money and more opportunities compared to those who don't. So I figured by laying this out, you can get a good picture and judge for yourself, hey, hmm, you know what? I kind of did some of the stuff Jack's saying I should do. And I learned something. Or I've kind of done some of the things, but maybe I could even do them better. So that's kind of one of my goals. Now, here's some things what you can do to improve, do better, and have a higher likelihood of succeeding. Number one, do some mock interviews. There's a lot of online platforms where you can do these mock interviews, or you could just have it with family, friends, trusted advisors, and just role play. And just role play through. <clears throat> when you say something in the context of interviewing, in your head, or even in life, it always sounds great, right? In your head, wow, I'm going to say this to this person. Or, you know, you get into an argument and then you can't wait to give a comeback in your head. You're like, oh, I got this great comeback. I'm going to get it. I'm going to re-get that person. It always sounds better in your head. But then the first time you say it, cringe. Not, not good at all. By role-playing, by doing mock interviews, it could be one-on-one, -on -one, with a Zoom call, an online app, what have you, then you can kind of judge how you come across. How do you sound? How do you look? Are you looking at the camera? Are you not looking at the camera? Are you just looking all around? Are you, are you not paying attention? Um, the more you do that, the more comfortable you are. The more comfortable by talking through these things. One of the reasons I... I, I I'm doing these, if you notice, these LinkedIn lives every day, because the more I do it, the better I get, the more comfortable I get. Trust me, like, do I want to every day prepare to do 10 o'clock and get it? Yeah, it's just like exercise or anything else. There are days like, Ugh. but no, to succeed, you have to be committed and you have to keep doing these things. There are certain things you need to do to succeed. And for the interviewing, you can't just wing it. So you want to do these mock interviews. You want to go through it with people you trust who could give you honest feedback and constructive criticisms. Don't get mad at somebody if you go through and you do some role-playing interview and then they give you critiques and then you get ticked off at your buddy and say, why are you saying that? I was great. Listen. Hear them out. Now, maybe they are too critical. Maybe not. But that's the way you're going to get better. Watch yourself on video. If you don't even want to role play with someone else, do a video, a Zoom video, and pretend you're answering questions. I know it's a little weird and awkward, but do that. And then replay it and watch how you come across. Look at your body language. Look at how you look in the camera or not look in the camera. How does it sound? How is the technologies? Are you stumbling? Are you fumbling? Are you articulate or are you wandering around? So work on that. Get the feedback. Get the constructive criticisms because that's how you grow. I always look for constructive criticisms and feedback. For instance, Christine edit, I'm a terrible editor. She'll edit my work. I, if she gives a suggestion, I don't go, hey, that's, I, don't, I don't like that suggestion. I, I, you know, you go to people to get their advice and help that they know something better than you do, or they can note it because they're looking from the outside. They could be more objective. And most people, and this happens to a lot of dudes, you, they don't want to take that criticism. They take it as an affront. Absorb it, hear it, listen to it, and then take action. And that's how it's going to be better. Because if you're looking, if you're doing these role-playing and you come across bossy as a jerk, as unprepared, it's not going to go well. So you want to practice till you're really great at it.
Another thing is to just, and this is a little harder, you got to work on a way to come across as somebody who meets the needs of the company, can address why they're hiring, while coming across genuine, authentic, polite, motivated, eager. It's a big ask, but these are the things we need to do. These are the things to work on. There's more, but I figure this could go on for another hour and I don't want to put you through that. <laughs> so so I, I, I hope that this helps. I think for a while, we're still going to be in this challenging economic, macro, global craziness going on. So more than ever, you have to be really tight and smart about how you interview, what you say, what you do, because it's too easy, particularly for white collar, mid to senior level professionals, it's too easy for companies just to say next, 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 next. Because right now, they're not inclined to hire the same way they were during the great resignation time period. So you have to stand out. And the best way to stand out is doing pretty much what we just talked about this morning. All the things you need to do correctly and all the things to avoid. Christine, any did I miss out on anything? Anything else you think uh, we should add? For ways to sabotage yourself, we talked about how to answer what is your greatest weakness. That's a way that you can sabotage yourself in that if you give an answer that relates to the items listed in the job description as a weakness, you don't want to <laughs> put yourself yeah. at the job to the interviewer. And you also don't want to get too comfortable where you think you can like maybe drop an F-bomb or something because you just feel um, very comfortable with the interviewer. I had a question. Mm -hmm. Can interviewers sabotage themselves if they bring up money too early in the interview process? Yeah, I think so. I think so with the compensation, sometimes people right out of the gate. Now, let's be frank. We all want to get know what we're getting paid. You want to know how much it is. You don't want to waste your time. If, if you're going through a whole interview process to find out, you're not going to get what you want. I would try to do this. Before the interview, one of the things to do your homework on is to get a sense of what's the range. So let's say with a lot of states now, you have to have a salary range, a salary band uh, on the job description. But these companies are cute. And instead of saying the salary is from 100 to 125, they'll sell the salary is from like 50,000 to 500,000. And you think I'm exaggerating. I'm really, I'm a, just a tiny exaggerating. That's what it is, huge caps. Before maybe, the, one of the ways to do it, if you're dealing with a recruiter, they should have a better sense of exactly what the real range is. So you could kind of narrow it down. So then you don't have to have that awkward conversation about how much you're being paid because they're giving you that heads up. If they do have the exact salary, well, that's great. That's helpful. If not, and you're doing it solo, when you're speaking with the talent acquisition person or the HR person or the internal person, at the beginning, even before the interview, it's within your rights and you should say to the person, let's say Christine is the hiring manager, the HR person, and when we're setting up an interview, you know, I would say something like, hey, Christine, I really appreciate you thinking of me to bring me in for an interview. I really love this company. I love this company because one, two, three reasons and, and really excited about the job because... My background, my experience matches up, but just so I make sure, so I don't spin your wheels. I don't take up the time of everybody who's involved with the hiring process. Um, so I want to be respectful of everyone's time. 
do you have a sense of what the salary bonus corporate title would be? So this way, make sure we're all on the same page. And I think that's a very fair question to ask. If they give you the runaround, that's a little bit of a red flag. Then you have to decide, do you take your chances and go through the interviews and see what happens? Or do you kind of prod maybe one more time and say, hey, I, I sense there's a little hesitancy to share. Is there any reason why you don't want to share the salary or an approximation of the salary? So, because now you have nothing to lose. You might as well try to find out what it is, especially if you want the job. And then you got to make a value judgment. Either then you just peace out and say, hey, this is not cool. If you're just kind of giving me the runaround and I'm not even starting, what's going to happen when I go and work there? Or you might say, you know what? I'll roll the dice because I really like this company. I really like this job and I'll take my chances. And then maybe I'll ask somewhere, you know, after maybe the first interview, let's see how it goes. And if it went really well, and I'm going for a second interview, then maybe I'll ask to say, hey, the second interview, clearly it seems you like me enough to go for the second round. I'm interested. Before we go any further, I'd like to find out about the, the, the salary, the benefit, just, just basic. You don't have to give me the exact dollar. You don't have to give me the, the exact bonus or, or other things, but at least can you frame it for me so I understand? So instead of going for four more interviews and it turns out we don't mesh, I don't want to waste everyone's time. And then, you, and then you asked something else, Chris. It was about the weaknesses. Yeah, not to give like tell on yourself when they ask, <laughs> "What's your greatest weakness?" When they ask something like your greatest strength or weakness, you want to interpret the way you want to interpret it. So let's say for a greatest weakness don't want to say really what your weaknesses are. You know, think about it in a relationship and they say, you know, you're, you're dating and, and someone's like, Hey Jack, tell me about yourself. Well, I snore and um, I eat junk food and, and then you, you give all your, you know, you know, lousy attributes. That's not cool. You don't want to do that. You want, you know, you, you want to pick a weakness that's not relevant to the job at hand. So for instance, let's say you're a software engineer working for a fan company, you know, Facebook, Meta, um, you know, Google, Alphabet, what have you. It's kind of understood that individual contributors, software developers, you know, have their headphones on, head down, coding all the time. That's how they're judged. That's why they make so much money because they're really good at programming and doing all that stuff. So if you say, what are my weaknesses? I feel I could, I could enhance my interpersonal skills and my communication skills. And that's something I'm working on. And that could be an okay weakness because within that sector, that's a thing. So it's not surprising. Um, now, if the job did require that you have to have good communication skills, then I wouldn't bring that up. But let's say for the sake of this conversation, it's just general you know, weakness. You pick out a weakness that really doesn't matter. Doesn't really matter. So you're not evading the question. You're just sidestepping by kind of answering it a different way. Does that make sense, Chris? Is that? That's great. That's very helpful. So I really appreciate everyone taking the time out. Um, I hope this was valuable. I hope it was helpful. And as always, feel free in the comments, you know, any questions you have, any, any way you, you need some help, advice, any ideas for topics in the future, any, any guests you'd like to recommend so you don't have to hear me just blabbing on. Maybe some, you're sick of hearing me. We get some, <laughs> some different guests to offer their perspectives. Let me know, put it in. You Christine puts up, you know, the graphic about the show. And then feel free to, to post. Let us know if you like the show. Let us know if you hate the show. If you thought we did a good job, bad job, any other questions we didn't address. Because I want this to be dynamic. So thank you very much for watching and listening. And I hope it was helpful. And I'll see everyone tomorrow.
Thank you very much. Bye-bye.